probably the best guy I've ever worked with. I've ever told him that's me. And it, for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, because uh, he is probably one of the most selfless guys I know. His work ethic is uh, is like mine, which sometimes is a little too much. And he will do anything for you in a heartbeat. In fact, such so that in the four years I've been in narcotics and a couple of years he's been in Fort Wayne here, I recruited him to be a negotiator on my house negotiation team just because uh, of the kind of guy he is. So uh, he didn't know I was going to say all that. Nope. But one of the things we do in the drug and uh, type of world is we work uh, the kind of cases you're going to talk to tonight. In fact, Jeff just left a grand jury to come straight here for the exact type of uh, uh, scenario you're talking about tonight. So I will tell you that uh, while I'm not going to be in your conversation, uh, he will be a wealth of knowledge uh, for tonight and for uh, the rest of your life on this topic. So, Alright? Excellent. Alright. Thank you, John. Yeah, thanks, John. Everybody give John a round of applause. All right. Thanks for the tall order to live up to. <laughs> yeah, no pressure. This is the best person. Yeah, it's always like when Pastor Rex introduced me. Pastor Ryan is one of the best preachers I know right before I go up to give a sermon. And like, and I blow it, and then you know, Pastor Rex looks bad. So, all right. So, Special Agent Jeff, why don't you, do we call you Special, do we call you Agent Jeff, Special Agent Jeff? Jeff. Jeff, okay, fair enough. <laughs> so, all right, well, I guess, um, so... Go ahead, and I'm particularly excited about talking to an FBI agent and not being in cuffs. Um, so go ahead. Your mic's not working. Oh, is it working? Did we break it? You want one for me? I broke it. Is that is that better? You have to hold it. Oh, we have to hold it. <laughs> Thank you, Stephen. So we'll pass this like a hot potato. Yeah, yeah, Jeff's fine. Okay, so tell us about your job and what you do. So I am a special agent here in Fort Wayne. Um, basically what happens is when I got hired by the FBI, I actually lived in Connecticut. Um, so I joined the FBI in February of 2013. The process is kind of a long process. It's a, it's a recruitment process. So it was, God, when did I actually apply? Almost two years before that. It took almost two years, basically, between hiring freezes and the Bureau being the government, which moves about as slow as a snail and then some. Um, it just took time to get in. So they do a background check. It takes between six months to a year for them to go visit where I grew up, my middle school, my high school, any friends that they could find, my college, the college after that, like anywhere they could go to to see what kind of person I was, they did. Um, they go do reports and they just try to figure out whether you're the right fit for what they're going to have you do. Um, and then you go to the academy. Academy is five months long. At the academy, they basically tell you to pick 56 offices. So we have 56 field offices. Field offices are Indianapolis is the Indianapolis division. It's a field office. So they have 56 headquarters offices. Of those 56, you rank them. One to 56, you just pick them. Alaska was number 56. New York City was down there. Any place I really didn't want to go was in the end, Alaska being one of them. Um, I mean, uh, they don't have bureau-issued airplanes or snowmobiles, which I thought would be cool, but they don't have that. So Alaska was off the list, as well as other weird places they can send you that are horrible. Um, so number 31 was Fort Wayne. Well, number 31 was Indianapolis. 
Uh, they then send me out to Fort Wayne. Now, it was nothing against Indiana. I just didn't know where it was. I, I kind of knew, but I didn't really know. It's, so we have to go up during our announcement night. We open up an envelope, act all surprised, and try to figure out how we got number 31 on our list, and everybody else got one, two, three, or four, and what I did wrong, just because I got 31. It had nothing to do with Indiana. So then I have to go up and put a little pinpoint on the dart. I know it's all adults. It was a little weird that we were up putting pins on a map. but So they say, you're going to Indianapolis. Then two weeks later, they told me, you're going to Fort Wayne, Indiana. Once again, not a, not an idea. I'm like, I don't know where Indianapolis is, let alone Fort Wayne, Indiana. Um, so Fort Wayne is a resident agency. So basically, there's three FBI agents and ten task force officers. So task force officers are two Fort, two Fort Wayne City police officers, three state troopers, and then there's a bunch other that fill in there, but that's what I'm going to go with. Um, so the agents are supported by the task force officers. So with the three of us, as he was saying, one of my categories is crimes against kids. Um, so I work child pornography, underage prostitution, human trafficking. Um, you name any crime against kids that has a federal jurisdiction, that's what my category is. Um, that was just more or less a fluke. Um, you know, really the thing behind it is, as a new agent, you know, you really, you're kind of, you, you skip the line. John, as you heard, has been doing this forever. As a new agent, you skip the line. So you start out as an investigator right off the bat. But it's a psychological background. It's a, it's a, what they do is to try to see if your head and the way you think is what they're looking for. You know, you take public service tests. They're based on, okay, you know, do you fit this widget? You know, they do a public service test. They're very generic. Fire departments take public service tests. Postal people do. It's a generic test. The FBI is one of those tests where I took it, and out of all the tests I've taken, I couldn't game it. You can look at it. You have absolutely no idea how well you did in the end. It just The test doesn't make sense. You just have to answer the questions honestly and hope for the best. So every process with this was like that. Um, and you skip the line. You become a detective, basically, right off the bat. So that's my long rendition of... What I do. Okay. Excellent. So, Victor, no more questions. questions? No. Yeah. yeah, that was it. No, we're done. We're recording this for other parents, so. Last week, the teens watched a documentary about a young lady in in Thailand, I believe it was, who was a victim of sex trafficking. Um, Is sex trafficking something that good teens, you know, here in Fort Wayne have to worry about happening to them? So with and today it happened. Um, we had a girl in the grand jury. So grand jury, if anybody understands what the grand jury is, basically um, for the state system, if you go to trial, you get a jury, judge by jury. Federal system has, and the state systems in some states do have it. Indiana doesn't do that here in, Fort, in Allen County. Basically, it is just a jury pool, and once a month they're called in. I come in, other agents come in, and we present our cases to them. And it's their, our way of saying, do we have probable cause to arrest this person based on what we've discovered? Um, so then right off the bat, a jury of your peers is deciding, okay, you've got enough probable cause versus us just filling out a paperwork and convincing a judge that we have enough. There's nothing wrong with that system. It's just we add uh, kind of another layer of, of protection for us where they're looking at it from a different perspective of you guys looking at it and saying, yeah, okay, we understand. As non-investigators, we understand. Um, so basically one of the women today asked was, you know, well, how is it that you can make 
a girl do something to herself or allow something to happen to herself, how is that possible? Um, so it's not a matter of who's a good kid, who's a bad kid. It's not like all bad kids are susceptible to become trafficked. It's not how it works. There's different forms of trafficking. And I think the problem is, is that we look at trafficking as... Um, you know, you you like, oh, it's that girl. I, I know in my mind, we all probably have a picture in our mind of what the traffic girl is supposed to look like. Obviously, after you see a documentary, now you have that as what a traffic girl should look like. I can tell you from what we do here um, and what John was talking about, I've had kids that have great families, great parents, every other opportunity to do something different, and they've been trafficked. And then I've had quote-unquote bad kids, the ones that you would say, okay, that makes sense. Um, so it can happen to anybody. I mean, you know, the reality is is that there's different ways to get someone to be trafficked, making threats against their family. You know, who in this room wouldn't do anything to protect your family? If I told you I was going to kill your little brother if you didn't come with me, are you going to come with me or are you going to let me kill your little brother? Are you going to say, no, you won't kill my little brother? Or are you going to take the chance? So the reality is, is I can find things that will make you do things for me because you're going to protect those that you care about. Um, and then you protect yourself. I mean, you know, we could all get all of you guys and stand you up in front of your whole class and tell you to tell your deepest, darkest secret to them. Is it going to be easy? So what happens if I figure out what your deepest, darkest secret is and then I tell everybody? You don't want me to do that. But the thing is, is I can tell you. I'm friends with all your friends on Facebook. I'll tell your secret online. So what will you do to keep your secret? So it's not a matter of who's a good kid or who's a bad kid. It's what will you do to protect yourself? So that's the misconception is, is, well, I wouldn't let it happen to me because I'm not in a bad place or doing bad things. We all go online, right? So one of the things I use when I talk to kids about being safe online is that everybody, I'm sure, has a Facebook page. If I were to make a page that was you how hard would it be for me for, would it be for me to find pictures of you how hard would it be for me to figure out what your likes are who your family is who your friends are what your favorite movie is what you like to do what you do after school what your favorite sports are how hard would it be for me to go online and figure out everything about you based on your Facebook page your Twitter page pretty easy so the thing is, is I can make a profile page, I can appear to your friends to be you, and then I can friend you. Or I can appear to be anybody's picture I chose, and then I can look at your page and say, all right, her favorite movie is this. That's my favorite movie. Well, I like Rocky Road Ice Cream too, and I like to hike, and I can find things that you like, and I'll make them my likes. Only I'm not the girl you think I am. I'm a guy. So the thing is, is I can convince you to tell me things because you think I'm somebody else and that I know your friends and now I've made you vulnerable because now you think you can trust me. So the thing is, is you tell me your deepest, darkest secret. Well, now I'm friends with your friends. And if I show you a Facebook page that's of all the things that maybe you sent or did or things you said that aren't appropriate because we're all human, now I can threaten you and say, hey, listen, I'll send this. Or here's a picture of your family. I know where you live now. Come with me. So that's what the difference is. Is it's easy to lure someone. So what can these guys out here do to protect themselves against something like that? So 
Why not hit the mic button? Can you fix this from down here? It's working. Hey. Um, so I just wanted to give them something to do while they're up there. So in order to protect yourselves, it's kind of like a twofold thing. It's like I just told you in like literally 10 minutes I can do that. I mean, one of the things I do is online undercover for guys that are looking for girls or taking over girls' accounts where guys have already come after them or already have done things they shouldn't do. And the person that did it doesn't know that it's me pretending to be that girl. So I tell you right off the bat, I'm not very good at that, but I get to watch what all you girls say and try to figure it out, and it's not easy. Um, the boy part is far easier, but the girl part is very tricky. Um, but I'm getting there. So the thing is, is that you heard how easy it is, and I can tell you it's super easy. I mean, anybody, I mean, basically, I'm giving you the secrets. You could go home and do whatever you want. You know, Facebook can monitor all they want, but you can do anything you want. So the thing is, is you know, anybody you meet online. Anybody you talk to, anybody you socialize with, you know, secrets are bad. You know, what we run into is, is people that convince, and they can convince any of you, you know, to keep secrets. Don't tell your parents, you know, ah, they wouldn't understand what we have. So the thing is, is to protect yourselves is know who you're talking to, know who you're friending. You know, there's like that comment about, you know, if you have a thousand friends online, congratulations, you're speaking with, nine, you know, 900 strangers. So it's like, you know, we all have all these friends, but do you really know for sure who everybody is? So the thing is, is know who you're talking to. If you can talk to a face-to-face at school, then you know who you're talking to online. The thing is, is don't pretend that you can't be targeted and that someone can't pretend to be someone who they're not. Um, that's the biggest thing. And then, you know, being honest with your parents. I know, you know, it sounds like, at least from what we've talked about, it doesn't seem to be a problem. But, you know, the thing is, is that don't be scared if you make a mistake. You do something wrong. A lot of the times when I get involved in an investigation, it's because it's already gone too far. And it came to a point where someone made death threats or someone tried to, you know, they thought they were going to be kidnapped or, or it's gone even farther than that and we go pick them up somewhere in a hotel. The thing is, is don't be scared to say something when you know your gut tells you. Trust your gut. You might be young, but you still have a gut. You still have that hair that sits on the back of your neck that says this doesn't feel right. Recognize it. Talk to your parents. Tell them what's happening. They're going to be mad. I don't care how it is. I know I'd be mad at my kids, but at the end of the day, they would much rather have you home and safe and be mad at you than something else. So just be open. You know, I know it's hard for us all, and I know when I was a kid, the last thing I wanted to do was open with my parents because they clearly didn't understand. But don't let it go too far. Don't be scared to say something. Vicki has our next question. What um, what should I do if I think a sex trafficker is grooming a friend of mine? That's a good one. Thank you. So that's... I've heard it be smart. Yeah, and she said it in such a way. Um, the big thing is, and that's what we kind of talked about before we did this when I had absolutely no idea what they wanted me to do. Um, the big part was... It's his fault. The big part was that you know, basically, you guys can be the ones that are braver than the other people that just let it happen. You know, it, if it's not the cool thing, it's not the whatever you want to put it. The thing is, to protect your friends is not to be scared. Don't worry about losing that person as a friend. 
Because in the end, if something happens, how much harder on yourself are you going to be if something bad happens to that person because you didn't say something? You know, for me, I'd rather lose the friend and know that they're safe than the opposite. And for me, it works the same way with cases. I would rather my case fall apart as long as the victim's safe and happy and healthy than get my case. Yeah, I want the bad guy, but that's not why I do it. I do it to make sure that the person who's being hurt or taken advantage of is not being hurt or taken advantage of anymore. So you've got to look at it from that perspective. What can you do is... That's why I say tell a parent. Tell somebody. And if it's not a parent, tell someone who's an adult that you trust. It doesn't have to be a parent. Anybody whose parents are in here, I'm sorry, but it's true. So the thing is, is tell an adult. Tell somebody who can do something. Hey, listen, here's what I'm seeing. You know, one of Bauer's... uh, one of his detectives that works under him, um, Chris, who I work with way too much. I think I see him more than I see my own wife. Um, the thing is, is that, you know, we go out and talk and tell the community about, tell social service and tell all the different community groups that work with kids, here's what you need to look for, here's what you need to hear. Here's what... So it's not a perfect system. So the thing is, is be loud about it. Confront your friend. Tell your friend, hey, listen... This doesn't seem right. Point out the things that seem weird. Because they may be jaded at this point. They may be so far into this relationship that they're not seeing that it's not really what it probably appears to be. So the thing is, is be the smart. You know, your gut tells you this doesn't sound right. Be the smart one who says, hey, listen, you know, this doesn't sound really right. And then, you know, get around to saying something to an adult so that we can get ahead of it. You know, a lot of times we hear about these things happening, not necessarily all the time from the victim. We'll hear about it from a friend who says, you know, hey, they'll tell their parent. Our parent will call us or call the school. The school will call us and say, hey, listen, here's what we think is happening. Chris and I will come out. We'll sit down. We'll talk. I talk the way I'm talking with you because I've been there, seen it. It doesn't phase me anymore. So... I'm not there to judge you. I'm there to help you. So know that we're not there to look at you and go, God, what did you do wrong? It doesn't matter. It happens. We'll get past it. So talk. So follow up to that. What do I do if I tell an adult and they don't do anything about it? Should I just give up at that point? Or should I go tell somebody else? (laughs) Give up. Okay. Um, No, and that's why I say be loud. You know, talk to your friend. Tell your friend. You know, if you have to find another friend you trust, talk to that other friend. The thing is, is never ignore it. Because the reality is, is if your gut is telling you, and I know I'm going to use gut a lot because unfortunately that's all we have. (laughs) We don't always know what's going to happen a lot of times. We've got to go by that. If it doesn't feel right, it probably isn't. The thing is, is if you're not getting anywhere with the adult you talk to, find another one. Someone will listen. It's not always going to get through. Believe me, we bang our heads against the wall trying to get things done sometimes, saying, why didn't you call us when you found out about this six months ago? Why are we hearing about this now? So all through the process, we'll run into the same thing. If someone else isn't listening and tell you that it's, don't worry about it, find somebody else. Because you will find someone that will freak out about it and say, okay, we need to deal with it. So I say, just don't be quiet and don't give up. Don't let them tell you, oh, you don't understand and push you away. Do what you can, but don't give up on them. You want me to hold it? I'll hold it this time. (laughs) So um, let me ask you this. So when it 
comes to trafficking and just spotting it either with my friends, you kind of mentioned some of this already, but are there things that we can do to help just by being aware of the things that are going on around us? Is there certain signs we need to look out for, and if we see them, call the police, call the FBI? Are there certain things that we need to be looking for, specific signs? And our friends, you already mentioned, if they have a relationship with somebody they don't know, but is there anything uh, just when we're out and about in town or traveling on the road, things we should look for? Yeah, there may be. Now, unfortunately, the the funny thing about Fort Wayne has been that a lot of the places we've been, nobody believes it's here. They're like, no, there's no trafficking here. There's no underage prostitution. We all know about the crimes against kids. I Googled it, and it says that doesn't happen in Fort Wayne. Doesn't it? I know. It says it's a very great place to live, which it is. And it's totally safe, which for the most part it is. Um, No, unfortunately, it's because we don't see it because we're not looking. You know, now a lot of what Chris talks about is it'll be like, you know, you go get your nails done. You know, and any of the guys, we don't judge. I don't do that, but I mean, if you do, it's okay. It's um, perfectly fine. We're pedicures, so you can't see it because it's got shoes on. Um, <laughs> so the thing is, is that, you know, for example, you use a nail, use a nail salon. Um, they're not all, but there are some, and they are here in Fort Wayne. The thing is, is you know, you go into your nail salon, you go into this place, let's say, and, and you notice that every time you're in there, the girls are always different, but one girl's the same. So maybe the girl behind the counter or the girl giving the orders or you see the girl that you don't understand what they're saying, but you notice that they're the ones kind of moving people around and telling people what to do. And you notice the other ones seem relatively submissive. You know, they just kind of do what they're going to do. They move on. They take their money and, and they move on. So paying attention to those things where every time you go in, it's a different person. You know, every time you go in, you don't see the same people. You see that one person. You know, that's something where bring it up. Tell an adult. Tell your parent. You know, say, hey, something seemed a little wrong. You know, we, we had someone come in and tell us about this. Something doesn't seem right. Will it always go somewhere? No, it, it may be. You've got to understand that, you know, from the federal system, you could call in and say, hey, you know, here's what I'm seeing, and we'll say thank you very much. We appreciate your information. Goodbye. Do you have anything else? It's not that we're trying to be rude and that we can't talk. It's just because there are things that we do that we can't talk to you about. Um, you know, you could come in and tell us about this salon, and we can say, oh, yeah, no, thanks. Appreciate that. And then we're not going to tell you, but you don't know. If we're watching it, if we're already looking at it, we're already doing something about it. Unfortunately, like we're talking about, the federal system grinds. So it's slow. So we'll sit and watch it forever, but it's because we want the case to be good. So those are little things. It's paying attention to those little things. Your friends and, and kids. You go to a hotel. I mean, I don't know why you say a hotel if you have a house here in Fort Wayne, but let's say you are out on a route. You know, the thing is, is pay attention to the things that look weird. You know, if you see someone in school that is changing and appears different, you know, you, you, you hear rumors, you hear things, you hear something that sounds different or, you know, they have a new boyfriend or, you know, they have an older boyfriend that they go see but no one's ever met them, but you know they're going out. You know, those little things that you see around school where you see something that seems odd or you, you know someone who all of a sudden in class has become very closed off and, and quiet or angry and, you know, it could be a lot of other things, but it's those things to kind of pay attention to, those little things. Um, the other things that we'll see in Fort Wayne here is that stays really quiet is is kind of like the slave work. So it's not always sometimes they're here, but culturally, you know, a lot of what we deal with Asian wise is that culturally, you know, a man will tell the females what to do. 
And it's culturally, it's inappropriate for the female to argue with that. So you run into this cultural issue along with the language issue. So now you run into this, well, I don't know if anything's going wrong because I don't understand what they're telling me. And it, it culturally seems okay. They won't tell you what's happening. But for people like you guys... You can become friends or you can hear from someone. You can be that outgoing person that talks to someone. And, and it's, it's not that we want to send you on a mission to go find them. It's just that what we'd like you to get out of this is, is kind of open your eyes to it. Don't close yourself off and say it's not here, it doesn't exist. It only exists overseas or things like that. It's to say that Fort Wayne is not an isolated place where this can't happen. This, the purpose here is open your eyes up so you look around and you're aware that you know what it could be. So the thing is, at that point is telling an adult if it comes to the local police department if you were to bring something about trafficking up it would go to Bowers' department Bowers would then give it to Chris and then Chris would then call me and then we would try to figure out what's going on if there's anything we can do about it um, or if it's something we already know about so it's those little things that seem odd um, it's, it's hard to really say exactly pinpoint what exactly you could look for um, my big thing that we've been dealing with lately is, is been the kids in school is when you hear rumors I mean we have one right now that involves a high school and you know the thing is is it it'll snap around a school like that you hear rumors you know, I don't care what circle you're in or however you want to put it, you'll hear rumors. The thing is, is don't be the one that doesn't talk about it. You know, be the one to bring it up. So the biggest problem we've been dealing with is that, is your age group, unfortunately. Um, there is people that will come in for work, but it's very difficult to work and it's very difficult to figure out. Um, but the kids are the biggest ones that we're dealing with. That's going to be our biggest thing to look out for is to keep your eyes open and, and you hear something. I know, hear something, say something. But you hear something about something going on at school. Those rumors, don't just chalk them up as nothing. Um, and don't be scared of us. You know, we're, the way I'm talking to you right now is the way we talk to everybody, whether it's a criminal or a witness. You know, we're not there to, and we'll keep it quiet. You know, if there's something that you need to bring to someone, it doesn't need to be front page news. It can be something where you come in and tell your parents, hey, I want to go talk to somebody. You mention it to him and, and we'll make it happen. You guys will come in or I'll come meet you. I mean, I don't drive an SUV. <laughs> I do. It's a Liberty, but it's not a uh, Tahoe which I apparently have been told I'm supposed to have. I have a suit on today because I was in grand jury, but normally I wear khaki pants and a polo shirt. So um, we're pretty easy to, to talk to. Chris and I work together. It'll come to us, and we'll talk about it. So let me clarify, because what I hear you saying is actually kind of comforting to me. So if I see something that's sketch, and I come talk to you or John, I, I saw that on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> was laughing at me. But if I see something and I'm like, man, that nail salon doesn't look good, I can trust you guys to do your job. I don't, A, need to investigate it myself. I don't, you're not going to come tap me with a wire. I mean, I did martial arts for a couple years. I can kick a board, but they don't move or shoot. And so that's kind of my problem. But then on top of that, if I call you, I don't have to worry about, like at my school or at the nail salon, five minutes later, you guys coming in the SWAT van, coming down on rappel lines, sitting in the dogs or anything like that. We actually, it's okay to report stuff to you. You guys know how to discern whether something is something you need to follow up on or not, and we can trust you to do that. Yeah, we won't bring the dogs in. Okay. Everything cool. Everything else is wrong. Everything else is wrong. Everything else, baby. All right. Vicky, I think Vicky has another question. Tell us a little bit about your faith journey and how it impacts the job that you do. 
Yeah, that's a loaded question. Um, no, so on the, you know, my biggest struggle was uh, how you mix, you know, basically, you know, I'm a judger. I'm really not, and we'll get to that part, but basically as law enforcement, you know, we are telling people what they're doing wrong, and we are getting them to the point of punishment. So my biggest thing was, was that I didn't understand kind of where that fit into God's plan. Like, I didn't understand, you know, how can I have a job that causes me to get to choose, if I have to, the difference between my life and someone else's, and then how I can choose what the rest of someone's life will be like. You know, my investigation can lead to someone going away forever, and they sit in a cell for the rest of their life and never get to experience freedom. You know, we can all sit and say jails, you know, federal prisons, light, but... I'll go lock you in your room and tell you when you can eat and when you can shower and you can tell me whether you'd like to be treated like that for the rest of your life. You know, we could all say it's all cushy and you get an education, but I still tell you when you eat, shower, when you go to your room, when the lights go out, what you're allowed to do. So for me, it was kind of a struggle with that. And then to work crimes against kids. Um, I've seen things that have kept me up at night. I've seen things that have caused me to... You know, question why I want to continue working this category. Um, and I've talked, the hardest part is talking to the kids when you actually meet the kid that the bad things happen to. Um, it's one thing to look at a picture. It's another thing to look at a movie and a picture and then meet the kid that it happened to. Um, and then try to treat them as if, you know, they're just a normal kid, which they are. But how is it that you hide your emotions from them? Because I can't. You know, there's things that, you know, your flesh wants to do, which is to find the guy and bury him in a cornfield somewhere. But it's what you can and can't do. And the other thing is, is like, you know, yeah, we'll all be guys, but if you see the horrible things that can happen to a little kid, you know, I don't care how tough you are. You watch that yourself and then you meet the little kid. It'll, it'll break you. So it's how do you stay strong in that? So I had a friend who, so we do small group, life together group. Um, and I had one of my friend's wives ask me, you know, how is it that you can believe that God exists um, with the things you see? How can you believe that a God could allow that to happen to a child that can't protect themselves? Um, and no one had ever asked me such a short, easy question that at its face value seems like nothing. And then yet, for me, it was like a life-changing question. It was just a bizarre, that one little question was enough to get me to go, you know, I... I really haven't thought about it. I didn't really answer the question. I knew that God existed, and I knew that there was a bigger picture to the whole thing. Um, but for me, it was just I trusted it, but I never really took the steps that, you know, we can all go through the motion of saying we believe, and in our hearts we believe, but I just think it's more to understand why you believe it, so that you can put words to why for yourself, not so you have to explain. You don't have to justify why you believe in God to anyone. But so that you could in yourself realize it. So for me, I looked at it and said, you know, that free will is universal and he can't pick and choose what he's going to take free will away from. But what he can do is he can take someone like me and put me in the right place. So the answer to that question for me was, was that, you know, he does believe in what we do as law enforcement and what we do to stop people. I'm what is there to stop people. My free will to make the decision to stop someone is what 
keeps them from hurting anyone again or if we can get there in time and stop them from doing it ever so the thing is is how do I believe that God exists the answer to that question for me was that's why I have this job that's why we're here that's why I have the opportunity to talk to you if one of you brings a case to me that's why I'm here my decision to be here and why God brought me here I may be able to help someone through one of you because you listen to me and how I ended up here which again I don't know how John called me and said will you come here and I said sure um, and then we had coffee but for me in, in interviews and interrogations um, a bizarre change that happened for me was that so you know in the Bible and, and these guys know better than I do I couldn't quote the actual verses but basically what happens is, is you'll get to a point where you know you need to confess yourself you're on your, you know yourself you need to confess what it is you've done and I'm not saying that I'm making myself the priest but my job when I interview someone is is that when I took judgment out of my interrogation and I could sit down and talk to you like you're a normal person without judging you the way my flesh wants me to I could get more out of you so my track record for confessions so far is I've only had one person never confess but everybody else I've ever interrogated has confessed so the thing in me is is that I talk to them the way I'm talking to you right now I will find some way to justify what it is you've done I will find some way to construe it so that it works and I just think that for me those confessions come out of me letting go of the judgment because we have someone who molested their kids how hard is it going to be for you to talk to them about that after you met the kid they molested it sucks am I allowed to say that? I think so okay but the thing is is that if I am what I my flesh wants me to be then I want to drag him across the table and take him out to a cornfield and show him what I think about what he did but imagine how that comes across when I talk to you you're going to know I'm mad. You know, everybody that's got a parent that has had to tell their parents that they did something wrong knows what it feels like when their parent looks at them and they say nothing and they know that they're dead. So, but the thing is, is if I can portray, and John's seen it, which he brought up, why I do negotiating, is that I hide that because I let it go. I'm not here to judge. My job is not to judge. His job is to judge. My job is to do what I'm supposed to do, which is to keep him from hurting someone again. So when I let that go, it made me better. So I say my faith journey has changed it so that my job became actually easier once I accepted the fact that he, I am where he wants me to be, and I'm not going to judge him. So it stays so calm and cool that the person's like, oh man, this is not that big a deal. I guess I might as well. And then eventually they'll thank me. I've had people hug me. I've had them ask me if I could come to their court hearings. <laughs> And these are the people that I convicted. And I'm like, dude, I, I don't think your attorney wants me there if I got the confession from you. I'm fairly certain that's not going to happen. Um, and that's happened on several occasions. We had one where a police officer, he acted in the way that he felt was appropriate. Didn't do anything wrong that could get him in trouble, but he said a couple things to the guy that were what his flesh wanted him to say, and it was inappropriate. I was able to then go back and talk to him later, the next day, and he thanked me for being kind to him and said, you know, you've been kind to me the whole time. And then he proceeded to tell me a little bit about what he had done. We had lost the interview the day before. We gained it back because I treated him with respect, even though I disagreed with what he did.
Vicky has one more question, but just something I want to point out that this was what he shared here when we were having coffee. That's kind of what blew my mind. And one of the biggest reasons why I'm so glad Jeff was able to come tonight is because no matter what occupation you have, um, that there is some way in which the gospel wants to change that, in which knowing Jesus can transform the way you do that job for the better. Um, Vicky has one more question, and then we're going to give you guys a chance to ask your questions. What can um, the church locally and globally do about the isu- about this issue? I think the biggest part that we're seeing is awareness. So the biggest thing that you guys can do is is what we you know basically what I beat into you earlier already was was to talk, and then the biggest thing is to be the voice. You know, just like God told you that. You know, your job is to disciple others. You know, that that's what he wants you to do is spread what you believe to others. Is the same thing with this. Is that, is to be aware of what's happening and talk about it. I know it's a weird topic to talk about, but if you can find a way to talk to other people about it and be aware of it, um, I'm not 100% sure yet where this is going to go and, and what more we can do when we've talked about it because... Like I said, unfortunately, it's your age group that I'm dealing with a lot. Um, for a span of four weeks there, it was like one after another after another to the point where we can't keep up with it. So, you know, really, you guys are the ones that are the most vulnerable and the most susceptible to it. So talking to other people about what you heard here today and, and helping people remove the, you know, kind of the wall where they don't want to believe that bad things happen. You know, we all do things and, and we all see things, but we don't want to believe that the world world is not as great as we think it is. Um, but it's not, unfortunately. It, it is, and it can be as good as you want it to be, but there's dark to it. And for me, it would be talk to other people. You know, it's a small group in here, but you can spread. It's amazing if each one of you in this room talk to two people, how big we can make that. And then if those two people talk to two more people, we've all seen how that works out. If you can spread it, my thing is, is talk to other people. Make people aware of it so other people want to talk about it. Um, that's like always my filler word. I'm sorry, guys. You guys are used to it. So, first of all, let's give Jeff a round of applause for coming here tonight. And next, do you guys have any questions? Cam, back there. Um, so, you talked about all the things you had to do. Hey, don't don't let me fool you. I write a desk. Um, yeah, no, the bureau has. It, it's. I'll admit, what's amazing about the bureau is, is that there is uh, there is tons of different things you can do. The same process you go through, they've changed it up. The same process you go through to become an agent is is pretty. Other than. They will send you to Quantico for what they call is, is new employee onboarding. And, and basically what they do is, is they send you there for a week and they teach you. They run you through all your health benefits, your, your everything that you would need to get out. Um, and then depending on what you do, if you become an intel analyst, if you become, they have staff, staff operations specialists, they have other people that are kind of like down in the weeds, intel people. So I can't do what I do without the support teams. So let's say 
you're totally uninterested in carrying a gun and totally uninterested in, in sitting in a car for hours watching someone's house so that you can take notes about when they go to the bathroom, which is definitely not always fun. If all you want to do is look, I mean, we got people who will sit and look at Facebook, social media. They'll analyze police reports and things like that. So there are tons of other things to do. Field training for agents is... It's kind of like trade school is what they call it. it it's, it's, they're teaching you to be a plumber. Um, here's the law. Here's how you fight. Here's how you shoot. Here's how you keep yourself safe. Here's how you do surveillance. Here's how, and then go use it. They'll show you the tools you have access to, but they don't show you how to really use them. They just show you how to get to them. So the thing is, is you would learn the same thing. It just depends on what you go to. So, yeah, I mean, it's endless what you can do with them. Become a pilot. I mean, it's all kinds of stuff. And for those of you that are currently sitting outside people's homes, taking notes of when they use the restroom, please come see me. We'll get you help. So you should get the job first. So. Yeah. yeah, don't do that. <laughs> oh, and, and the other one that's a good one brings up, nine out of ten times, if you see a Wi-Fi that says FBI surveillance fan, it's not an FBI surveillance fan. It's your neighbor. And he doesn't want you on his Wi-Fi. It's my hilarious neighbor. <laughs> and, and it's my house if you're near that, because unfortunately that's what I've done just because it's funny. I have received calls in the middle of the night from one of the gang guys that said, hey, uh, um, do, do I need to be out of the area? And I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm at home. Oh, well, uh, there's an FBI surveillance van out here. I'm like, what are you talking about? None of us are out. He goes, well, it says it on my Wi-Fi. I'm like, Dude, seriously, haven't we gone over this? It's someone's Wi-Fi. You're fine. Have, have at it. Siri so. does everything. Siri might be captured by the FBI. Um, you really think we would do that? So, whoa, that's loud all of a sudden. Hey, um, any other questions? All right, back there, Lena and then Brad. I know that works out perfect because normally I'm the one that ends up with the calls because I'm the new guy. So I prefer when people don't know our number. No, um, no. If it's something to do with like what we talked about, um, you know, you've got a great resource here because he can get a hold of me. You know, if you knew somebody that needed to get a hold of somebody, you can talk to him, you can talk to John, you know, or you can, I say go through that route because technically speaking, the problem is, is the system's bombarded. If it makes it to John's unit, it, it'll get to us. It's just, unfortunately, we're hammered with people that see things and it's it's one of these things where we try to get through it, but if you can kind of get triaged by going through someone who knows you, it, it, it makes the process easier. So it will get through. If someone were to come and talk to someone here and say, hey, listen, I, I want to talk to someone, or I know somebody wants to talk to someone, it'll get to the right people. Nine out of ten times you can call, and you can, but I can tell you that sometimes things slip, unfortunately, and it has nothing to do with John. He and I have talked about it 50 million different times. It, it, it gets mixed up in the lower level sometimes. Yeah, and what Jeff is saying has been my experience experience is that if you guys come to me, we had somebody come to me with an issue um, and we got it to the right people and they were they were awesome. John took it and it went to where it needed to go. So it helps to know the right people. He doesn't have one of my business cards yet, but he'll get one. Or do you? You do, I like. And you had a question. You talked about you know how God impacts you know your life and, and your work um, and how it directs you know, how 
how you feel like your what your job is, why you're there, and how does it affect um, the people you work with, and particularly how, how do you understand grace and you know seeing the, the, the basically the sins that you see, the, the the terrible things that people do. I mean, you know, so much so that we don't really we kind of speak of them vaguely. Um, how does your understanding of grace and God still dying even for some of those those sins? How does that affect, I guess, what you do, and or how does some, have you seen people accept forgiveness or grace um, and, and, and really change from who they were before you arrested them to maybe sometime later in their life? Have, have you ever seen one to change or have <coughs> from I mean, some obviously very, very grievous? Yeah, one of the, to that question, one of the, the one of the cases we talked about was someone that molested his kids. And uh, now whether it's true or not, you know, I know that he he admitted that he had a problem. He admitted that he knew what he was doing was wrong and that he struggled with it. But he did also admit that he went to church and that he prayed about it and that he continued to pray about it and that he actually accepted what happened to him through me as God's final, you can't do this on your own. Here's the only way we can get this done for you. So in that kind of roundabout was that the reason I was there when I was there at the time and the reason it was me talking to him in the way I did to him was God intervening and saying, hey, listen, you know what? You can't do this alone no matter how hard you try. Um, and the other thing is is that... You know, when I, you know, one of the girls that we helped invited me to her graduation party. Now, totally inappropriate, so I can't go. But it was nice to be invited. The point was, was that every girl we've worked with has thanked us. So the joy I see in it is, you know, yeah, horrible things happen. Why do babies die? Why do parents die? Why do, you know, why do people end up with no parents? You know, you can look at all these things and say, and it's because our time here, it's we're in a different world. We look at it from a different perspective as, you know, our goal is to get up to heaven. And here it's just kind of, we kind of, we make our way through it and prove ourselves while we're down here. But it's one of those things where you can question all those things. And it's, it's when you see that kid graduating high school and calls you up and says, hey, will you come to my graduation party because I made it. After you had her bruised, naked, having been prostituted. And it's like, my thing was, was that what helped me get through the sin thing is, is that if you looked at everything that Jesus had done, and all, the, all the people he talked to were quote-unquote horrible people. You know, the majority of the people that he helped were those that were what we would maybe, or what they were looking at at the time of how could you touch that person? You know, you notice that it was always the horrible people, the things that did wrong things, that prostitute, I mean, even a prostitute. You know, and it was interesting to me that it was like, you see that the ones that need the most help are those. So it was, for me, it's like, they may not figure it out, but you know what, maybe they will. My job is to get them to stop. And then it's their job to try to pick it up. I can tell you that nine out of ten times it does not happen where you see the change. I wish, and I don't watch it long enough to know. I wish it did. But what I focus on is when the kids make it. When they call me and say thank you. When they draw me a picture and say thank you. Um, that's, that's what makes the difference for me. That's where I see the grace in it. Is that for them, their horror story is over. That answer your question? Is that... Awesome. It did get really loud, by the way. Any other questions? Thank you. All right. So I did a really good job. You did an awesome job. Give him a round of applause.
Okay, in a minute, we're going to pray and let you guys go donate and do that thing. Group leaders, um, still meet tonight if you have time. Teens, it's 8 o'clock. If you need to go, go. But if you can meet in your groups, do it. Group leaders, we knew this was going to go a little bit longer, and I'm okay with that if you're okay with that. Um, the cool part about tonight, and I know last week when we watched that documentary, it was just sad. Like, we got done, and my small group was like, this is sad. Don't ask me questions. You know, I mean, it was just sad, guys. And nothing wrong with them. The cool thing to hear tonight is, to me, I feel like last week kind of felt like death. This week feels like hope, feels like resurrection in some sense. That, you know, it's not like the FBI says, well, in two more years, we're going to end modern-day slavery as we know it. And there's going to be no need for crimes against, you know, children division. But we do see... God using the state, you know, God using the government, God using the church to do good things in this world and to stop evil and to in some way impart grace in different ways. And so, um, so I'm excited about that. But we also need to do something a little bit goofy. It is youth group. And so we're going to do that before you go to your small groups. Uh, I'm going to open this up to my seniors first. Um, seniors, um, so when you went to like Quantico and all this cool stuff, they taught you how to shoot a gun, right? Yep. So I want to see if anybody can outshoot Agent Jeff tonight. Would anybody like to have a chance to say, I outshot? Not with a real gun. We have Nerf guns. Sorry, I should have clarified. Uh, we brought our pistoles tonight. Uh, I have Nerf guns. Are there two seniors? I should give seniors the chance first, because this might be the last chance in youth group. Brad wants a piece. All right. Do we have, <laughs> do we have, do we have a female that wants to do that? This is your moment to shine. Okay, we're going to give junior girls. Is there any junior girl that wants to do it? Oh, Delina's ready to go. Okay, Delina, come on up. We'll let you. Your friend volunteers you. All right, come on up, Brad and Delina. Because, because I'm a senior. Because it was two minutes later and I wasn't going to let go for All right, so I have weapons for each of you. Here you go. Here you go, Nerf gun. Here's four arrows. I like mine better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I might get in trouble if you use yours. Is that real concrete? Yeah. <laughs> there, are, there are metal studs. Okay. Here you go. Take some ammunition. How many? We'll give you each five shots. Brad, I'll give you, I'll give uh, Agent Jeff the five.